The meat of live is Christ. The meat to die is gain. Every moment in between, there'll be joy and there'll be pain. I can't worry about the future or change a thing about my past. I've got this moment to believe and I'm gonna make it last. I am filled to be emptied. This is Pastor Michael Rogers from The Jar at 702 H Street Northeast in Ardmore, Oklahoma. Thank you for listening to our broadcast today. Father, we praise you and thank you that you are, um, uh, you are present, you are here, God, you are listening, and you are also ready to speak. Father, so often when we come to you, we, we run up to your throne and we just throw ourselves into your lap and tell you all the things we're thinking and all the things we want and all the things we would like to see happen. Uh, but Lord, sometimes it's good just to come and listen to what you have to say. So let this be that kind of hour, God, that we would listen for your voice. And since we want everyone here to listen to you, then we pray that you would remove us from this teaching, Lord. Let only your truth pass through our lips. If there's anything that comes from us, no matter how witty or funny or smart, we pray that they are quickly forgotten. But if they are from you, if they're from your word, if they ring with your truth and drip with your grace, then Father, we pray that every person here would take heart and to hear and to listen and to know that you are speaking wisdom into us so that we might be changed, transformed, and made new. We pray this in the name of Jesus who is risen. Amen. 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 We are uh, we're at the end of a series, really, of series uh, as far as our sermons are concerned. We started out... Uh, uh, speaking from the book of John and, and talking about what God was teaching in John. But we began, as soon as we got to our grand opening in the beginning of 2023, to take a look at all of our core values. And they are three. We mentioned them already. Joy, authenticity, and relationship. And we did three sermons on joy and what it means and what it's about. And then we did three lessons on authenticity and what that is and what it's about. Then we talked about the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, our relationship with Him. And we are now in that last series where we talked about what it means for us to have relationship with our families, what it means for us to have relationship in the church. And today, we're going to talk about what it means for us to have relationship with people who are not yet believers. Maybe they have... Maybe they've heard of this Jesus before, maybe they haven't heard the whole story, or maybe they've heard the wrong story, or maybe they have good information, maybe they have bad information, but whatever has happened, they are not at a place yet where they believe. And so what we want to talk about is our relationship with them and, and what it means for us. Now, it's Easter Sunday, and we definitely, absolutely, if you are here and you are not yet a believer, we're going to talk about who Jesus is and what he did for us so that you know, because we want you to know. Um, but we want you to listen as we, the church, talk about how we are supposed to respond to people who do not yet believe. We want you to know that's the kind of church we're building here. This is what we want to see from every person who is affiliated with us. And we know that we stand in, consol uh, in solidarity with Solid Rock uh, and so many other churches in the area. And so, so this is just, if you're a believer today, you're already a believer today, 
then you know what I mean when I say this, the world seems unreachable today. For, for a very long time, they have been using the term post-Christian to describe our culture. And what they mean by that is that, it, that uh, the, the culture is being influenced by things other than Judeo-Christian values. Um, and that has been true for a while now. Um, but what is becoming more true is that the culture is becoming more anti-Christian, not just post-Christian. I was just reading in the, the news this morning um, that there is a, a Catholic uh, diocese that has been ministering at the Walter Reed Hospital for Veterans for like 20 years, and they, they, their contract was stopped. They are no longer able to minister in that place. Um, and I, I believe that there's probably a lot of different reasons for that, but it's just one example of uh, things that are happening that seem mild and not like, like not a really big deal. It's not anything we can really complain about. Contracts are contracts, and we never know how long that works. But slowly but surely, uh, the, the culture is beginning to pull all influence of Christianity out of uh, the culture. And so what do we do? How, how do we operate? How do we, how do we start to, to make a difference in the lives of people around us when it seems like the culture is becoming more anti-Christian, not just post-Christian. So one of the things that we do is we try to, uh, to give you something to consider, all right? Well, in this case, as we talk about how it's difficult to reach the world today, um, one of the things that can make it easier is if we don't feel like we're all by ourselves doing it. So I just wanna give us about 20 seconds of silence where we consider this question. How can we partner together to show the love of Jesus to the world around us? I'll give you a little time to consider that. Okay, we are going to be in 2 Corinthians, which is in the New Testament. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. If you do not have a Bible, there should be a Bible underneath your table. If you don't own a Bible, please take that with you. That is our gift to you from us. Um, also, you can pull it up the Bible up on your uh, phone under an app called Version. It's a free app, Y-O-U version. And you can pull that up and uh, follow along with us by chapter and verse. Yeah. If you're struggling okay. to find it and you're in the actual Bible, typically you can find Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John pretty easily. Turn right. You go through Romans and then First and Second Corinthians. Second Corinthians chapter 6, verses 1 through 10 today. Let's, let, you want to set it up? You want me to set it up? You can go ahead and okay. set it up. So... When Paul was writing to the Corinthians, this is actually, uh, commentators believe this was his fourth letter to the Corinthians, but it's the last letter that he wrote to them. And the reason he's writing them is because he, he, had, he had been there a while and he'd gone away. We think he might have visited one other time and gone away. And every time that he came, um, he, he, he evidently wasn't a very imposing character. And so when he would leave, then sometimes people would start doubting whether he was really the right one for them to, to tell them about Jesus. And so 2 Corinthians was written to the Corinthians to uh, defend his ministry. 
And in, the, in chapters 3, 4, and 5, he really go, takes a lot of time to talk about what it means for us to be ministers of reconciliation and that he was one of the ones that God called to be a part of that, that our job is to reconcile the world to God by helping them understand Jesus. And then he gets to chapter 6 and continues on from there. Right. So we'll start in verse 1 of 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Is everybody there? Say amen. Amen. All right. I like it. I like it. As God's partners, we beg you not to accept this marvelous gift of God's kindness and then ignore it. For God says at just the right time, and that right time in other versions means favorable, mm -hmm. right? right? The favor of God. I heard you. On the day of salvation, I helped you. Indeed, the right time is now. Today is the day of salvation. And so when we talk about God's favor, right, that means he's looking down, he's looking at us and saying, I am happy with you. I am pleased with you, right? And I want you to come to me right now. Don't wait. Today is the day. If you're reading this passage, today is the day. And he talked about salvation. And for those of you who are not yet believers, this is, this is how we talk about it at the jar. Um, we believe that we were created to have a really good relationship with God and with each other and even with ourselves. And so God gave us a lot of different things that he wanted us to consider that were great ways for us to stay in connection with him stay in connection with each other and be authentically who we were made to be. And those things were called laws or commandments. And as we were trying to, to, uh, to live that out, what we found was that we couldn't, that we kept missing the mark. And when we missed the marks, for instance, if we were lying to someone, we not only were um, hurting them by giving them a false understanding of what was going on, and now when they act on it, they, they could hurt themselves by putting themselves in a position uh, where they do the wrong things because they didn't know the truth. But we also hurt ourselves because we don't, we don't, we're breaking our own integrity. And lies always get found out, don't they? They always get found out. Um, but we also break our relationship with God. That is called sin. And so anytime we miss the mark in our relationship with God, in our relationship with each other, or in our authenticity in ourselves then we are sinning. And that means that we uh, find ourselves suddenly having a debt to God for what we've done. I wish that we could say, what if you only committed, we did that one time? But the truth is we do about one a day or one an hour or one a minute, right? And so there is so much against us now that the penalty for that is death. Jesus came, God sent his son so that he could live a perfect life and not do any of it. He never missed the mark. He never broke his relationship with God. He never broke his relationship with others. And he never stopped being who he really was made to be by God. And because of that, he was able to make his own sacrifice. And so when he died on the cross, he paid the penalty for all of our times that we missed the mark. All we have to do is believe in him. Then he proved his power to do that by rising again. And right. that's what Easter is all about, right. is, is us celebrating the fact that because he rose again, we know he was not only a good man, he was also God. Because no other that's way right. could he have done that. That's right. And uh, Reverend Flannery told us this morning at the Metropolitan AME, he said, don't be a tomb. Let Jesus come out of that. 
Let Jesus come out of you. Let Jesus come out of the tomb. Recognize that in that resurrection, there is power to save us from the gravest of sins, from the times we miss the mark the most, the times that we regret the most. It doesn't matter what it is or what happened. God saved us from that. And now is the favorable time. And now is the day of salvation. You don't have to wait. You don't have to do anything first. You don't have to put yourself in a position where you've done enough right things for enough good days. You don't have to balance out all the bad things you did with good. All you have to do is say yes to him and you can be saved today. Right. I was going to say to our not yet. I think so many times we think, well, you don't know, Pastor. Mm, yeah, I hear that. You don't know what I've done. Right. I've done too many wrong things. I've done too many this, that, or the, you know, whatever it is. There's no way that God is going to love me for who I am. Because I've done too many things. Or not done enough. Mm, right? Mm. And what God is saying right here, right now is, don't wait till you got it all together to come to me. <laughs> Amen. That's what I'm here for. I am here to help you hit the mark. I am here to help you because we can't do it on our own. Yes. Right? So what he's saying is don't wait. Mm -hmm. My favor is on you. I love you. You are my child. Yes. And as long as you come to me, I will be here waiting for you. Just accept me for who I am as your Lord and Savior. And I will love you for who you are. And bring out Amen. from you who you were really meant to be. Like That's where authenticity comes from, is having that relationship. And you know what comes from that authenticity? Joy. All of a sudden, you can handle any situation in any circumstance because you know whom you have believed and you are faithful that he will keep what you entrusted to him until that day that he comes back and takes us all to heaven. And so because of that, Paul is saying... We, as the ones who already believe, should act in a certain way. And the rest of these verses talk about that. Right. So starting in verse 3, Paul says, We live in such a way that no one will stumble. Or the Greek there is offend. Right? We're not going to, there's no obstacle mm -hmm. or offend because of us. And no one will find fault with our ministry. In everything we do, we show that we are true ministers of God. That's so right. that's right. Basically, like Michael said, unbelievers are and, and not yet, right? They're going to watch us. They're going to say, you know, what sets this apart from any other thing that the world has said is going to work, right? Oh, I've tried this and I've tried that, and nothing works. And so. Our testimony are saying, let me share with you yeah. what my Jesus has done for me. Right? That's what he's asking us to do here. Yeah. In another okay. place, in another place in scripture, he says, to the Jews, I became a Jew. And to the Greeks, I became a Greek. And I became all things to all men so that I might win some. In other words, he, he was saying, don't, don't do anything that would cause someone to doubt who God is. Everything that you do do in his name so that they can see what he means when he says he loves us. Right. And that means to love. So it's Jesus's job to save. It's the Holy Spirit's job to convict people to be saved. 
It's God's job to judge. It's our job to love. That's right. And last week we learned as as believers, right, what, what that means. We learned last week to be meek. Yes. To be gentle, right, not quarrelsome or resentful. And meekness, do you all remember what meekness was from last week? Strength under control. <laughs> my, my son said this week, he said, oh, it's kind of like, Having a sword and knowing how to use it, but also knowing when to use it. Yes. 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 Okay. So we learned that last week, and this is part of what he's talking about here. Okay. Then we go into verse 5, and it says, Paul's saying, We have been beaten, been put in prison, faced angry mobs, worked to exhaustion, endured sleepless nights, and gone without food. We prove ourselves by our purity, our understanding, our patience, our kindness, by the Holy Spirit within us, and by our sincere love. And that sincere love there is authenticity, which we learned about last month, right? How to be real and how to be authentic and what that means. But as we were studying this and talking about this, I said, you know, it's interesting to me in verse 5 when he talks about all the things that happens to him as well as the other, the new believers during this time. Okay? And a lot of people don't talk about this, but there were... They don't even know the true amount, but thousands and thousands and thousands, millions. millions of new believers who came to Christ during right after Jesus was crucified and rose again and they were preaching about him were killed because of what they believed in. They, they sacrificed and all of the things that he lists here are what happened to them. Now, I don't know about you all, but man, praise the Lord. We don't live in a time where we have to worry about that, right? Yeah. We don't have to worry about angry mobs and worrying about being thrown in prison because we say we are a Christian, because we believe what we believe. Um, but, but our Christian brothers and sisters of the past who helped keep this faith alive, the things that they went through after Jesus rose again and then went up to be in heaven it's just amazing and, it's amazing to and, me and i'll be honest and with we're you. here today we're celebrating easter because of them in, in every right? situation where that has happened where christians have been beaten and thrown into jail and murdered and and all of those things christianity has grown in every one of those situations and the reason is because people start realizing if people are willing to die for this, if people are willing to be beaten for this, if people are willing to be put into prison for this, there must be something to it. Mm -hmm. And it's, it has always been the case that revival also breaks out at the same time as persecution. And so when you think about the world being unreachable today, is God the same God today that he was back then? Yes. Then is the world unreachable? No but it may require more sacrifice from us than we are used to. Maybe we don't get beaten or thrown into jail, but maybe speaking out for Jesus and loving people the way Jesus would love them means you're gonna get taken advantage of, means you're going to have to struggle sometimes in, in who you can talk to and who you can't to, talk to at work. It means that people may ostracize you. They may, they may not wanna spend time with you because of your beliefs. There are things that you may have to experience right now because of what you believe, because the world feels unreachable right now. And I'll be honest with you, the easy thing to do in those situations is to pretend you don't believe it. 
is to put yourself in a position where you are going with the flow and you're not going against the grain. But listen, Jesus didn't just ask us to let him be our savior. He also asked us to let him be our Lord. Yeah. He is our king. And I had a gentleman ask me this week, he said, do you really know the purpose of your life? And I said, yes, the purpose of my life is to serve my king with everything I have. Now, if he's, he loves me and he's going to let me serve him in ways that make sense for me. He's going to use the gifts and abilities that he's given me. He's going to use the talents that he's given me. But sometimes he's going to call me to do things that are uncomfortable. And sometimes he's going to ask me to do things that are above and beyond what I think I can do. Do you know why he does that? So that you can know it's him and not you. Mm -hmm. Right. So that you know that we have these treasures in jars of clay to remember that the surpassing power is from God and not from us. And when we have opportunities, you know, when we get discouraged in things, right? Whether it's our job, we've lost a job, or today, or over this weekend, you guys have probably spent time with family. Some of you may have had a great time with the family, and some of y'all. <laughs> some some of your families like, put the oh, fun in dysfunctional. I'm glad that Easter weekend is yeah. over. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right? right. So for some of you, family is wonderful, and then for some, it's like, ooh, Aunt Matilda over here. Ooh, Lord, give me the strength. Right? <laughs> right? We all have that Aunt Matilda. But there's, or whether it be money situation, or whether it be health related. We all go through discouraging times, mm -hmm. but as believers, I'm talking to our believers now, okay? As believers, that's our chance to demonstrate our faith, mm -hmm. to show others what sets Jesus apart, yeah. what yeah. makes him different and actually, than everything else. After all of those things that he says they went through, he talks about the tools they used to help them get through it. So if you look at verse six, we prove mm -hmm. ourselves by our purity by our understanding, by our patience, by our kindness, by the Holy Spirit within us, and by our sincere love. It's not by accident that they made it through these things. It was intentional how they went through these things, and they were constantly trying to figure out how they could hit the mark, so to speak, in doing it the way Jesus would do it. And so he would, we, we love through it. We love through it. Whatever it looks like, we love through it. And, uh, and that's important for us to know. Right. Then he goes on in seven and says, we, verse seven and says, we faithfully preach the truth. Mm. Right. That once again goes along with that authenticity. We don't add to it. We just speak the truth in love and we speak about who Jesus is. And he says, God's power is working in us. When we become a believer, that Holy Spirit, that, that resurrection power that we just sang about, if you're already a believer, it lives inside of you, mm -hmm. right? And it's there and it's sitting there and God is in, in you. And so he's saying, God's power is working in us. We use the weapons of righteousness, Yes. right? You want to talk about what righteousness means? That's, yeah. a, that's a good churchy word. Righteousness, righteousness is a church word, right? And, it, and it, can, it can, I mean, most of the time when we talk about righteousness, we talk about being self-righteous where... You know, where we are, we, we just think we're holier than everybody else, and we just think that we know better than anybody else. So this word, this root word, you have to add the word self to that for it to mean that. What righteous means is right living. It means to live in such a way 
that you are staying in relationship with God and with others and with yourself. It's authenticity, really, more than anything else. It's helping, it's living in a, a kind of integrity that understands that God is the one who's helped me understand what integrity is. And I live in a right way based on that so that I can bless the people around me. And my blessing is that as I do that, I just naturally become a better, it's not my goal to be a better person, but I become one because I'm living the right way. It's not, my, uh, it's not my intention to have blessing poured on me. That's not why I'm doing it, but it happens because I'm in right relationship with God and he's giving favor to me because now is the time of favor. Now is the time of salvation. And so I live inside of that. It's what Paul means when he says to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. It just means that I recognize that all of the time I need Jesus, all of the time I need to remember who he is. And so I live in that righteousness. And he says, this, these are the weapons that we have for the right hand and for the left. Well, if you think of Romans in that time, the left hand, usually most people were right handed. What was in the left hand? Your shield. And what was in your right hand? Your sword. And the Bible says the shield is the shield of faith. And the sword is the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And so when I live in righteousness, I live in faith in the word to live by the spirit. And that's what it means to live rightly. Right. So then he goes on and says in verse eight, <laughs> I love this. So he's just told us, right? This is what you do. Mm -hmm. We prove ourselves by X, Y, Z. And then in verse eight, he says, we serve on our, your worst days. <laughs> yeah. Whether or not the situation improves, your faith and the faith of those around you will grow stronger. And I love how, okay, this is one of my favorite things about Paul. He is such a cheerleader. Yeah. That's why him, me and Paul, I, I can't wait to meet him. <laughs> First of all, because I got lots of questions for him. Yeah, right. But second, I just, he's a cheerleader, right? Anytime you read anything that he's written, he'll start out saying, now listen. You screwed up here, right? You messed up here. You missed the mark here, but, but God. Mm -hmm. And then he cheerleads and he lifts you up and he reminds you, right? I mean, Paul's the one that says, keep on running yeah. the race. Press on. Press on. Don't give up. And right here he's saying, we serve on your worst days. Whether or not the situation improves your faith and the faith of those around you will grow stronger. And... I, as I continue my walk with Jesus, I can tell you that that is so true. Yeah. There are many times when I will pray for a situation or to get better, and it may not get better the way that I want it to get better, right? God answers my prayer, but not in the way that I would like for him to answer, <laughs> right? But in that through that process, through that journey, he is making me stronger. And I learned from him that if I just let go and let God, let him have it, whatever the answer is, he's going to make me stronger on the inside. Yeah, that's right. And that's what Paul is saying, no matter, you, no matter what. Now, he's, of course, referring back to, to these early Christians, right, and the persecution and things they went through, and he's saying, it's going to make you stronger. But like I said before, we may not be persecuted like they were, but we still have, we're still living this 
this life on this planet. Yeah, and I love that he right? he used language that allowed us to for that to carry forward, whether it was persecution or what we're doing. So that, that verse eight, we serve God whether people honor us or despise us. In other words, our serving God isn't dependent on how people feel about it or what people think. Our serving God is about how we feel about him and what he thinks of us and how that strengthens us. And so to, to honor someone is to give weight to what they say, right. is, to, is to help them, is to, is to say, you know, I, I, this person had this opinion, this person had this opinion, but I honor this person by giving more weight to what they said than to what anyone else said. And he said, some people won't give any weight to what we say if we believe in God. We can't worry about that. Some people actually may want our opinion less because we're believers than they will for someone else. That doesn't matter. We serve God anyway. They can slander us or they can praise us, but we're going to be honest even if they call us imposters. We are ignored even though we are well known. They act like we're not at any big deal, but we know that God is making us famous because every time we do something, they watch. Mm-hmm. So... Our job then is to make Jesus famous every time we do something around everyone else. And then what happens? Look at verse 10. Our hearts ache, but we always have joy. joy yes. Which takes us back to the J yes. in jar, which we talked about starting in January and about joy and what that means. And it says we are poor, but we give spiritual riches to others. We own nothing, and yet we have everything mm-hmm. everything say whatever you want about us we're going to keep doing what god has called us to do amen yeah we're going to keep doing it now what word was used most often in those 10 verses more than any other word was used in that passage anyone got an idea yeah it's the word we In other words, Paul didn't do this by himself. Paul had help. As a matter of fact, when he didn't have help, he went and found help. Because he recognized that Christianity may be a personal faith, but it is not a solitary faith. We need the church. We need other believers helping us. And so when we partner together, it's easier for us to have an influence on the world. When Jesus sent the disciples out, he said, okay, you 12 scatter. He put them in pairs and then he sent them out. Even when he got to the place where he had 70 who were following him, he didn't say, okay, we can get a whole lot more done if all 70 of you go in a different direction. He sent them out in pairs Mm -hmm. because together we are better. Together we can support each other. Together we can keep each other from getting angry at some of the things that people say about our Jesus. Together we can also explain better because it may be that while I'm talking to you and I'm trying to help you understand something, you're struggling with it. But Carrie comes along and says it a different way and all of a sudden, it's making sense. So one of uh, Pastor Steve's favorite verses talks about what, you know, it, when you're by yourself, you fall down, you can't get back up. If you're by yourself, if there's one strand, it's easily broken. But if two strands together, oh my goodness, that's stronger. And three strands... A three-strand cord is not easily broken. What if we had a 30-strand cord here? (laughs) And what if we began to help each other and be together in this, and all of a sudden together, just like the video said earlier, together we serve better. Together we love greater. 
Together we know God deeper and together we influence the world more. All we have to do is be willing to risk it. We have to be willing to love people first and then tell them about Jesus. Right. Right. Right? I got an illustration for y'all. Oh, this is good stuff. I got you one, too. Oh, good. All right. I get to participate. You which one you want? Oh, no, you get to pick. That's the one I really wanted anyway. All right, so as we were talking about being willing to share with others, being willing to not just coast in this life, but being open, having open hearts and going the extra mile and, and valuing the gift of relationships with other believers, right? We were talking and um, I ha we have two, we have four children, but we have two sons that are bookends. Right, so we have our 27-year-old um, who lives in um, da um, Houston. Houston. Oh, I tried to say Dallas. <laughs> uh, Houston, and of course we have Elijah, who is our 15-year-old at the end. Right. So there's about 12 years, 13 years difference between our boys. So one day we were standing in line, and Elijah was probably, hmm, probably right at maybe 13, 14. So Nathan was probably about two, three. one or two. Yeah, something and like we were standing in line and there were glow sticks. And Elijah wanted a glow stick. And so I grabbed a thing of glow sticks and I handed it to him. Well, Nathan was in the car and he started throwing a fit because he wanted one of those glow sticks. You know what I mean? He just wanted it and he wanted it now because that's what one and two year olds that's do. Right. That's right. Right? Um, Sometimes and so, that's what 30-year-olds do. That's so right. I'm just saying. So I opened up the package, and I handed Nathan one of the glow sticks, and he just was in awe of this glow stick. It is right? cool. I mean, you see the oh, I dropped mine. Oh, I tried to oh, twirl it. Um, he was in awe of the glow stick, and he was just watching it, you know, looking at it and everything. And um, next thing I know, Elijah grabs the glow stick out of Nathan's hand. And Nathan starts to oh, scream again. Through a fit. Through a yeah. fit. Like, what are you doing? And I just as I get ready to turn around to say to Elijah, what are you doing? Right? <laughs> we just calmed him down, and now you're making him mad again. He says, well, watch, Mom. <laughs> he hands it back to Nathan. He says, Mom, you got to break it to make it glow. You got to break it to make it glow. Sometimes God has to break us. Sometimes God has to not answer our prayer in the moment. Sometimes we have to wait for him and his perfect timing. And we have to be willing and we have to be open to say, God, what is the best way that I can glow for yeah. you? Yeah. Right? Because I could just be a stick <laughs> with lots of insides, but I'm not glowing. Right? And we've talked about in the past here at the jar, when God fills you with his Holy Spirit, right? It is a light. When you accept Jesus, it is a light within you. Paul says we shine like stars. Right? Be the glow stick. And don't be the stick that's just a stick. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
with all the filling inside. Don't be a stick in the mud. Right. <laughs> Sorry I, about I had that. To go, I had to go there. Yeah, that was such a dad joke. But anyways, glow. <laughs> yeah. Ask God to, to break you in a way that makes you glow from the inside out. Okay? Now, I tried to get you all glow sticks to take home with you today. I really, really did. I couldn't find any. <laughs> Yeah, All I could find was the big ones. I couldn't find the little ones. But they'll be out soon because it always some, comes summertime. They all come out. Yeah. But um, just remember. Now, now, now listen, church. Listen to me. This is the trap. You have to be broken by Jesus so that he will glow for you. And you go, all right. Now I'll just put that in my back pocket, hide it in my shirt. And now... I am good. I am saved. I'm ready to go. I don't have to worry about anything anymore. I'll just go on about my life. Nobody else needs to know this is between me and God. That's not why he gave you that life. No. As a matter of fact, if you've ever been in a concert or any place like that where it's been dark everywhere and then everybody breaks their glow stick at the same time, by the time it's done, there's enough light where everyone can see each other's faces where that wasn't possible before. And if you've ever been a candlelight service at a church where they've turned off all the lights and they've lit in one candle, all it takes is one candle to dispel the darkness. But there is something powerful when you get 20 or 30 candles together. And all of a sudden, the room has this kind of feel to it, doesn't it? Because each of our flames is adding to the other. Don't put your glow stick in your pocket. Let your light shine before men. This is how you do that. We love people like Jesus loves them. But if that's all we do and they know nothing about Jesus, we've done them a great disservice. Love them and then tell them why you love them. And tell them how God changed you. Jesus changed me. I was a stick and now I glow. And now I glow. And now I glow and so can you. Amen. And that's what it takes. And so for our not yet, if, if you're in here and you have not yet given your life to Jesus, we're asking, will you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Will you admit that you are broken so that he can make you glow? Will you allow him and say yes to him so that he can change your whole world? And if you're already a believer. Will you love others enough to tell them about your Savior and Lord? Right? And we're not saying take the stick and browbeat them with it. Oh, right? That's the other thing the church does. They yeah. start Don't do that. with their stick. Right? But take this and say, you know, let me tell you about my Jesus. Mm -hmm. You know, let me tell you what he's done for me and how he's changed me and how now I go from nothing to glowing. And um, we encourage you to do that. It's hard sometimes. Sometimes you just got to wait for the right door to open. Sometimes God opens it wide. And when he does, share who our Jesus is. Yeah. yeah?